Welcome to the On the Corner podcast. I am Stephen Giswelli, uh, host. Uh, you may know me from the Wins Above pod, uh, Fantasy podcast on the Pitcherless Podcast Network. I am joined by someone that you do usually know from this channel, uh, Nick Pollock. Nick, thanks for having me on and letting me do an intro and the hosting duties here. Uh, it's an honor, and uh, I know we did this last year, but I was super excited to break down uh, my mock draft from uh, the pitcher list mock draft that we did just a few short weeks ago. Uh, Nick, how's it going? What is happening? Uh, Steve, how does it feel to, to host once and push Van aside for a second? It, it's good. I've, I've done it a handful of times, you know, on, on the few rare occasions where Van couldn't make it or, you know, I had to fill, fill in as, as a host. So I've done it a few times, but you know, it's, uh, it's like coming out of the bullpen if you're a starter, uh, or, or you know, maybe vice versa, <laughs> uh, to, to get used to it. Maybe, you know, act as an opener, uh, it mm. would be a, a good way to do it. I'm, I'm used to coming in, uh, after the host, but. Yeah, it feels pretty good, especially to do it on the on the corner podcast. It's it's an honor. There you go. So I uh, well welcome Steve, part of the mock draft series that we're doing, where of course we had a twelve teamer Yahoo standard five by five with three outfielders, two utility spots, corner infield and middle infield. Get out of here; those don't exist here. <laughs> uh, your standard categories wins and all, um, and two Otanis as well. I, by the way, you guys can't see it, but of course it's a pitchless podcast. So we have a dog in the background. Mm -hmm. Tate yep. is the name I learned today. And what a wonderful name for a dog. Tater's going to Tate. Let's talk about your draft. And what do you know? Surprise, surprise. That's what we're going to do. You were in the uh, 10th spot of this draft. Was that in, by design? Yes. Yes, it was. Um, last year when I did it, I think I drafted from the two spot. Um, and just like a, a, a overall takeaway, I think from all of the drafts that I did, um, you know, being obsessed with fantasy baseball, I did a lot last year. It just seemed like the best spot to be in or where people won a lot of leagues was from the, the middle to back area of the draft. Um, it's going to be where I want to be in most of my drafts this year. So I figured. This was the first mock draft I did this year. Why not get used to it and, and and be in that area? I just think it's the first round. It, it used to be like, right, like Mike Trout. And then, you know, you hope you got the first pick. And then this next five or six players kind of changed each year. Now it's just like, it's like, who are we cutting out of the first round? So if there's that much first round talent, I think it's important to, or, you know, ideally you want to be in that back end and kind of double up on first round picks essentially i i think that that's kind of where i want to be in, in the right. sweet so spot you're, you're putting emphasis you're putting emphasis on the the second round then um so if i'm in 10th spot that means i essentially have the third mm -hmm. pick of the draft is what you're saying because all of the guys in the first round are yeah. first rounders mm -hmm. i definitely understand that I, I was talking to uh pete ball uh just the other day um, definitely listen to that OTC as well, everybody. Um, he picked uh, Bryce Harper in that spot, which, of course, now he's come to lament a little bit, uh, given the news about the UCL, which we should have been maybe higher, you know, more aware of. Mm -hmm. And maybe when does he come back? All that kind of stuff. Regardless, there seems to be a wall around Harper's pick. Um, Austin Riley, Paul Goldschmidt, probably the end of it. Maybe you can mm -hmm. throw in Jose Altuve in there. Uh, but the first... 15, 16, um, maybe I can even put that all the way up to 20 
hitters are seemingly first rounders. Man Machado. You can make an argument for any one of them in the first round. It's, right. It's, it's crazy. So, so it's not necessarily, in my view, the 10th pick being ideal with it. It's maybe you want to make a case like Nick had the best picks at six because I got the earliest choice mm-hmm. of my first rounders and then I got whatever is left at the end of it, too. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure quite yet. Um, now, I, w- I will say, do you feel like Juan Soto, your first pick here at the 10 spot? was is just in line with say the top five guys of say jose ramirez ronald Acuna, trey turner uh aaron judge julia Rodriguez. that is were you targeting juan soto in this spot um not necessarily targeting but extremely happy for him to quote unquote fall to me right like mm-hmm. soto was a f- first overall pick in a lot of drafts even like standard categories not necessarily even just like an obp league where he like automatically gets that bump um, so, you know, if, if you don't know much about how disappointing, again, I'll use the air quotes with that, his 2022 season was, and you see, and you get him with the, the 10th pick, you're just kind of excited with that. I, I talked about Van with it on an episode of Wins of Fantasy. It's like, how excited would you be if you're in the middle of the first round and Soto falls to you? Well, this is sort of the end of the first round and, and he fell to me. Uh, I just think that. There was so much going on and not even, to, you know, we get caught up in, in the stack cast pages, especially with a guy like Soto, who's just this darling and has a bright red page. But there was contract offers that were leaked, trade negotiations like that has to take a toll on a player. And I, I think that sometimes, you know, we have so much data that that soft analysis gets overlooked. So I, I think that that kind of played into it. And I would not be surprised if, you know, year two in a new environment, he's a lot more comfortable. You know, we saw that with a lot of guys like, you know, Lindor, Arenado, guys that bounce back after adjusting to a, a, a new team with a new contract and new pressure. You know, Soto doesn't have that pressure, but he's playing for it, right? He turned down all these massive offers. So I, I think a lot of that more so than anything with like his actual data of like hard hit balls or or whatever uh, that you want to break down uh, played into why it was a bit of a disappointing season for Soto. Right. Uh, I mean, it is interesting. Some topics that have been coming up a bit in these podcasts are say position eligibility, who you should be targeting this way. But one really interesting one uh, is walk rates and the 20% walk rate. You think baseball wise, fantastic. That's why he has a 400 plus OVP. It's also why, I mean, the runs are higher because he's getting on base a lot. That said, he's not getting as many hits. Uh, anytime you walk, you uh-huh. don't get an opportunity for home run. You don't get an opportunity for a, a you know, for your batting average to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is something to be said about that with with Juan Soto. Um, let's say you have two guys that are like a 290 average. Uh, you might want to avoid, you know, Soto gets the ding because it might be one hit fewer a week because he's walking instead of that um something to think about with them and obviously the 242 batting average you know as you're mentioning should be different yeah uh, the 250 Babbitt should go up that's very simple shallow analysis mm-hmm. but i mean we all know that's right um so it should be improved for soto we know the skill set is still there the 20 percent walk rate is first in the majors the the uh the 14.5 percent k rates 34th yeah, he's still incredibly amazing. Um, and that's uh, there's also like Pete Alonso, Vlad Jr., and Freddie Freeman. Mm-hmm. And 
I wonder if you might be better off getting, say, Vlad Jr. Right. I think you can get I, I, it better. I thought about it. Absolutely. Yeah. If if it yeah. wasn't if it wasn't Soto, I probably would have taken Vlad. There's a little bit more floor of RBI, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, in that regard, runs are kind of similar. Maybe home, um, maybe home run to maybe home run too. Even though I think this might yeah. have been Soto's home run floor. Um, Glad's uh, is probably a little in, bit higher. Twenty nine yeah. only in twenty twenty one. So, I uh, I think I would side Vlad more because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's uh, it is pretty close. Um, Freddie Freeman was your next one. Speaking yes. of which, second round, and this is when I do ask you: Did you have a certain positional plan? Yes. Entering this draft. Yes. And what was that? I want a first baseman and a third baseman early. I want. Okay. Uh, there we go. Pitchless podcast has yep, arrived. Yep. Yep. Uh, Tate's, <laughs> be, Tate's, being, Tate's being a guard dog. You know, uh, we have a, a, a new baby as well, as long as the dog. So he's very protective. Wonderful. But he's super friendly. He's a lab. So he barks and then gives you a bunch of kisses. So uh, th- there you have it. Uh, but yes, I feel like in leagues last year where I did not do as well. I was weak in the corners specifically for like power RBIs, like, like the standard categories. Uh, I, I just, I had too many shares of, you know, a Joey Votto or just a first baseman that you kind of talk yourself into that might not necessarily be your typical stud. And a reason why I didn't take Vlad in the first round was because I knew I wanted one of those three first basemen. And I took whichever sure. one, whichever one fell to me. That happened to be Freeman. Um, which, now that said, yeah. you could have gotten Vlad and then gotten your third baseman in Shepard sure. or Machado. Yes, yes. And I and I and I thought about that. Um, you know, I, I'm not too upset with my third baseman. I took the next, the or you know the the. You, I the like next the one, one you took. The board. The yeah, round. but yeah. that that is something that I, I think that there is. There's, there's so many good outfielders, and there's a lot of good outfielders that you can find late. It, it might be prudent to, to, to kind of take care of those two positions, especially with where I'm at, and then and then worry about outfielders. Like, you can find better outfielders later than you can first and third baseman. Uh, sure. I, I, again, that, kind of simple analysis, but that's a takeaway. I, I think, mean, that is this. true. No, in, in a... 12 teamer, three outfield league, 36 are your starting outfielders. Mm-hmm. And then the util spots generally do get filled in. There are also some dual eligibility guys that are going to go differently, but that's generally the rule. Um, and that does leave a lot of opportunity uh, for outfielders. Later. So I generally do agree with that. It was a fun discussion, uh, I believe, with Pete. Um, again, talking about outfielder depth not being that great uh, this year, but in season, the easiest position to fill. Yes, yes. Agreed. Um, so let, let's move to the third round. By the way, I will say you are doing the Nick Pollock playbook oh, yeah. of one pitcher in the first seven rounds, and I applaud you for it. Just want to let you know that. Good stuff, Steve. I really like what you did in, in many ways here. Um, but uh, Nolan Arenado, third round. Last yep. year, he got pushed down a bit. Fifth, sixth round guy. Uh, and certainly gave value to those who trusted him. And this seems like the end of a tier a bit. I mean, maybe it's the second tier is Arenado with, you know, Jose Ramirez, Devers, Machado for uh, mm-hmm. Riley really being the first one with Yoram being the highest, of course. 
And then you have maybe Bregman involved-ish with Arenado, maybe? Yeah, but Arenado, the second yeah, half, Arenado yeah. is a step up. Yeah, yeah, Arenado does step above, and I'm sure you feel like you, you lucked out he, with him lasting yeah, this long. Yeah, I really wanted... Like, I don't know who I... I guess maybe I would have targeted Bregman in, in the fourth or fifth there if I didn't get him, because I really do want to have the, the corners taken care of. So I did feel pretty lucky that I was able to grab Arenado, but I mean, he's, and you know, we're, we're as we're recording this, we're going to find out tonight. It's probably not going to be him, but he's an NL MVP finalist that looked like a, a typical Nolan Arenado season. Oh, you know, this is, this is Goldschmidt. We yeah. know it's Goldschmidt. Yes, of course. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if Arenado was second though, but you know, another more soft analysis. Uh, I, I usually don't sway to this, but Arenado talked about how, he was trying really hard to adjust to the new ballpark in in um, St. Louis last year, uh, in in twenty twenty one that was, and he kind of just got back to his old self and said like I'm just gonna be who I was and not really worry about having to adjust from cores and coming to uh, a less hitter friendly environment and I, I think it paid benefits. Uh, you know, this this second year once guys get adjusted like they're human beings, uh, I, I think it's a good time to to buy uh, absolutely players you know it's really fun we didn't even discuss freeman who i think everyone just understands yeah freddie yeah. freeman's really good <laughs> 21 home runs will do better you know than that 100 runs rbi 117 runs 325 average i love getting freddie yeah. freeman he hasn't had an just, ops you know, lower than 893 since 2015 yeah. like, uh, i think work. he should him him vlad and alonso should be first rounders i would probably move bichette and witt jr out of it personally I might move on Soto underneath them. Um, that's just me. Uh, but I, I, that's the kind of the nice part about being in near the end of the draft uh, is that you will get one mm-hmm. of those three mm-hmm. on your team each time. I will cross my fingers that I could get Mookie Betts and one of them. That would be so nice. That would be my ideal start, I think. Uh, because I love bets at second base, yeah. and then I love having just an absolute rock at first. I don't care so much about stolen bases in um, five by five leagues. That's just me. Um, but uh, but anyway, Freeman's really good, and you should feel very happy getting him in the middle of the second or the early second round. It was also, as you mentioned, Vlad Jr., Alonso, Freeman, whoever was left over. Home runs should come back from twenty one. Uh, it should be higher than that. Everything is fine. I'm going to move on. He also had 13 stolen bases. Yeah, chips in, and he, he quietly chips in like four or five. Uh, you know, I'm not expecting him to get double digits again, but he's not a zero in, in the stolen base category, which is awesome sure. from from that quality of a yeah. player. One every other week in a head-to-head league. Yeah. Uh, and Arenado, going back to that, uh, 30 home runs this year, 103 RBI, uh, tw- 26th in average in the two, with the 293. Only at 11.6% K rate is pretty dang cool mm-hmm. as he brought that back down. Yeah, Arenado's really solid from the third base position. The RBI totals should still be up considering he's going to be smack dab in that lineup. Still have Goldschmidt there. Um, it's a good situation for Arenado, and that's just a very nice safe pick. I dig it. Uh, fourth round. This is the interesting one. This is oh, Michael yeah. Harris the second. And oh, Michael yeah. Harris, well, 19 home runs, 64 RBI, 75 runs, 20 stolen bases, 297 average. I uh, I picked Strider personally, but that's fine. Um, he obviously had a fantastic year with Atlanta in 114 games, 441 plate appearances. 24% K rate, though, and a 5% walk rate. 
15% swing strike rate. It does seem like there should be some regression coming against uh, Michael Harris. He had a 40% O swing, which is incredibly high. Uh, the league average for a hitter is 32%. He's at 40, just above 40% is, is incredibly high. But you think, look, this is someone who should be a 2020 guy, if not higher, next season. Yeah. Uh, and and despite all that, I, I hear your concerns. I have those same concerns. Uh, this pick was worth it because in our Discord chat, uh, you specifically said, whoa, was Michael Harris good that year? And then replied, yep, he was. <laughs> so the, the pick was worth that, just that reaction. You know, a few of my friends in my uh. home league, we always talk about, you know, you, we joke that you want the pick with like the wow factor and the pop and where the room goes, oh, uh-huh. like, and that was that pick. So even if he doesn't pan out, it, it was absolutely worth it uh, for, for that reaction. Well, but, I, I mean, it's fun because we're all like preparing for the draft saying, when is Spencer Strider going to go? Yeah, yeah. And he goes to pick before Harris and then Harris goes. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. And, oh, and that was Van okay. right behind me. So I think he knew that I was targeting. I liked I liked Strider a lot. We talked about him a bunch this year. So, you know, with that, I, I knew I was kind of passing up on, on Strider there. So uh, it's it's all right, though. I'm, I'm glad I, I got him. Uh, you know, there was some better K rates in the minors for Harris. Um, you know, they're, they're, the walk rates were closer to 8% and 9% in the minors. It was just 4.8% mm-hmm. this year. So maybe there's some room for improvement, but. I think even if there is a hit, it's it, it's going to be a, a 250 batting average, which you can kind of live with if he's going to give you that pop and speed. Which I don't think there, there there's any warning signs there. You know, the 10.5, the 10 percent power rate is really good. Uh, the sprint speed is uh, 95th percentile. So I, I think those things will be there uh, uh, with the the realization that. Yeah, if there isn't a massive improvement in chase rate, which is just the seventh percentile in the league, like you said, uh, there probably will be uh, a batting average regression. But you know, he is super fast, so maybe he can babbit his way to a little bit more palatable uh, batting average. Yeah, um, he swung a lot. Now, fifty-two percent yeah. swing rate, supposed to forty-eight percent. Very oddly, his I. Uh, his first strike rate and his true first strike rates were way below average. True first strike rate is essentially saying balls in play do not count as a first strike rate because you don't get a first strike. It's just a ball in play. Um, that's a that's an Alex Fast stat, which is fun. Ooh, uh, I like that one. Those are both below average. And it's very interesting. Um, and to see higher swing rate. So, he, I mean, he's essentially swinging more. And I uh, but guys aren't giving him strikes early. I guess as a young guy with a high O swing, they're trying to get him to chase early. And, um, and you know, there's like an old adage, like for you know the hitting coach kind of thing, like kind of worked for like Mondesi the one about Alberto Mondesi the one year was good. Like if you get a hit before or put a ball in play before you strike out, like that's okay. So if you're aggressive, you can yeah, kind of right. combat your your strikeout rate that way. Not saying that's fully the answer, but. You know, he definitely right, has, but a, I mean, has a good it, hit tool. Yeah, it, it's certainly something that is propelling him. But yeah, Michael Harris, uh, I get it. I don't know if I'm going to do this because I'm very much about I need safe hitters. Mm-hmm. I don't want to take any chances, especially with me where I'm I'm thinking, where is my value in my drafts? It's pitchers later mm-hmm. and I can't be focusing so much on my hitters maybe falling or failing. 
Um, there are too many amazing hitters left. Uh, it's Corey Seager, Marcus Semien, Ozzy Albies, mm-hmm. Luis Robert, uh, Xander Bogarts, JT Real Muto next. And they're not so stellar. I might give you some pushback on not doing, say, Cedric Mullins, who's a little safer. Mm-hmm. Kind of a similar thing. Maybe Luis Robert. Just some injury and, stuff. And that is my downfall. I get I get very excited on the upside of a guy like Harris. Like yeah. it, it really is. But I tried at least in this to surround him with all, all you know as chalky of chalk hitters as you can get. Like yeah, the first three. Yeah. That's my style, baby. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, what are you doing here with Michael yeah. Harris? You were doing so well. <laughs> now, um, well, let's move on to the fifth round, and that's Tim Anderson. And Tim Anderson, uh, 13 stolen bases this year, 301 average, but really only played 79 games. Um, should be healthy next year. Still should have a high run total, a good average as well. Um, good amount of stolen bases. The question, of course, is the pop and the RBI totals. And, of course, is he going to be healthy? He has not played uh, a full season in a very long time. 123 in 2019, 49 in the uh, snubbed season. Um, you have 123 in 2021 and of course just 79 this past year so you're banking on healthier and you're banking on um hopefully the home runs and rbi picking up in some degree uh, were you considering anyone else or did you just felt like i needed to get a shortstop and I um I, I wanted to get a shortstop I, I was you know pretty position con conscious um I, I looking back on it i i think i might have gone story here i kind of like that as a bounce back maybe a, a little bit more and you know even though story did have his injury concerns last year and a lot of things went wrong for him it might be even a, a bit of a safer play when you list off the game totals like you just did for anderson uh over the last few years so um yeah i i i, I was Kind of wanted uh, a, 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 an average balance since I did just go Harris and am expecting some some uh, pushback there. Uh, also, you know, uh, I I like it that you know I kind of got two steel guys and and got that out of the way over uh, over, over these last two picks and can kind of mm. pencil in twenty steals each for those guys. Uh, you know, Anderson and. 13, you know, 13 stolen bases, no caught stealings, and just the 79. If there's anything close, even the 120 total, it'll be uh, something that you can live with. The 120, you know, game sure. total. So, um, yeah, uh, it's not a pick that I'm like super excited about or anything like that. It just, hopefully, it's more, you know, oatmeal, like, like Ben and I like to say, and you can kind of pencil in his 10 to 15 homers, 20 steals, and a really good average. Hey, I love oatmeal. All yeah. right, good oatmeal. That's a beautiful <laughs> thing. Um, I, I'm yeah, I'm looking at this now, and I'm I would personally go after Willie Damas or Dansby Swanson. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, that that's just me, but I I'm gonna move on from this one. We're gonna go to Joe Musgrove, uh, and before we do, we actually need to take a quick break. Sixth round arrives, and this is what I generally suggest. Hey, sixth round, you've got five hitters. This is when you go for a starting pitcher, and that's exactly what you did. And I imagine you just thought, look, I'm going to go after five starters, and whoever is there after, uh, sorry, at five hitters, and whoever's mm-hmm. there after sixth rounds, I'm going to take the best one off the board. And that was Joe Musgrove for you. How do you feel about this? Uh, I had instant regret because Zach Allen went next, and I just forgot about him in the clicky draft, you know, since he was coming off a down year, I guess his ADP was a little bit buried. 
Uh, I would have taken Gallon here. I had, uh, mm. you know, I just have him higher just, on just my board. Just for clarification to everybody, it's the 2021 rankings yes. entering 2022 uh, for Clicky Draft. So Gallon had a bit of a down year is what he's mm-hmm. is what Steve's referring to. Not that this year was a down year for no. Zach Gallon. Yeah. Uh, right. I, I love Zach Gallon. I am definitely a Gallon gal. Uh, so. Uh, you can be a Gallon girl too. Yeah. That's fine if you want. I. Uh, <laughs> yep. I, 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 it's funny. I, it's weird to be less in on Zach Gallon than other people. Um, and I don't have that same regret. I have Joe Musgrove ranked higher. Really than Z- interesting, than Zach Gallon. And as I looked into it, and as I put together some notes for this, like there was a lot of encouraging things with Musgrove, especially uh, you know once he sort of found that spin and had that mechanical change. Uh. In, in September that caused the big, you know, ear gate in, uh, in the playoffs where he was sweating <laughs> and, you know, his spin rates were up, but, you know, had the Mets done any research, they would have sh- sh- seen that that was in line over his last few starts. And he did have a rough July and August. He had a 424 year in both of those months, but then in September it was a 259 year a, uh, he upped his cutter usage in September, which was the best pitch by run value last year. And then in 21, when he was so good, it was the curveball and slider. So, like, yeah. you know, obviously it's not as easy to do this, but if you mash the the two years together and if he has that good cutter with the good curveball and slider, then it's like, okay, maybe Musgrove, you can see him, you know, putting together like a top 10 season if he adds those two things together, which obviously is easier said than done. But, you know, it's interesting with him. I, I, I don't. I'm not like devastated that I have Joe Musgrove in my first pitcher. I think he's still really good. Why aren't you more devastated? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I so what we saw in 2022 versus 2021 with Joe Musgrove, as you mentioned, the slider got a little bit worse, missing bats. Uh, he also lost his strike rate. Strike rate went down from 67 percent or 68 to 64, which meant that he had to rely more on this cutter. Uh, and that was good, as you mentioned, by run value. Mm-hmm. Had an expected average 198 this year, but a lot of hard, a lot of hard contact, 32%. And sometimes it was his downfall. Um, he did allow four home runs on the pitch in 2022. Now he also allowed six of them <laughs> in just about the same amount thrown in 2021. So it's still an up in the air pitch for me. Um, if that cutter is truly something we want to believe in, um, he's able to get in the zone. It's kind of like Darvish in this way. Mm-hmm. Now. The curve, uh, the curve is still good. The curve is like, hey, I need a strike. I'm going to get this. It was a 36% CSW in 21. And Musgrove had the curveball at a 34% in 22. Um, it's it, I mean, To me, Musgrove is not going to be a top five pitcher at any point. I don't think he's going to be a 200 inning guy. I think he's a little too inconsistent with his uh, repertoire. And you generally don't have a guy with his kind of fastball uh, succeed. He only throws a four-seamer 24% of the time. Uh, it was a high strike pitch, 70% strike rate. Hard contact is actually really good, 23%. I'm cool with this. It just felt inconsistent. Sometimes he got really burned by it. Well, not the best command. If you look at the strike supplies, just like, in the zone, please. Okay, thank you. And I, I don't see... You don't really see those top five guys. I mean, Shane Bieber is one of the exceptions, mm-hmm. I think, of the rule of that season that he had where he was able he's just so good with his slider and curve that like it didn't matter that his fastball just had to be called strike pitch. With Zach Allen, 
It's a little weird. Um, Four-seamer is not a swing strike pitch. It's a called strike pitch. And when that's the case, you need to have, which is fine. That's really good. But it, it means that it's, I don't think it should be 165 batting average allowed, mm-hmm. um, which is why you had the, the sub one whip. I mean, 0.94, that's just insane. Curveball was good. Changeup and cutter are like solid, but they're not elite. And when Zach Allen needs to take over, it's like, what do you throw? I guess it's the curveball. I guess it's the... Yeah, we, we always yeah. hope it was like the changeup that he flashed, right? Yeah, in, in but, the beginning, but, but that's never the really, thing about Gallon really, to me. Yeah. It, it's, it seems too precarious. And I think it all... Great. 27% K rate, 254 ERA, 0.91 whip. I kind of woke up like at the end of the season and go, wait, what? That, yeah. That's what happened? Like, it didn't really feel like he was having a top 10 season or something. Um, it just kind of kept going. And I am, I'm a little worried that there that there isn't enough there. Joe Musgrove, to me, I feel like, yeah, the slider and curveball are better. And he kind of has this figured out. And this is more sustainable to me, which is why I have Joe Musgrove a little higher um, than Gallon. But I don't expect, you know, I don't I don't blame anybody for wanting to go with Gallon instead. Joe Musgrove, by the way, 18th best in hard contact allowed because he that slider and curveball. I, so. I, I just think that at the end of the day, Joe Musgrove's kind of going to be like the 20th best starting pitcher, maybe 25th mm-hmm. at worst, you know, and I'm fine with that as sort of more of a fault floor play. Yeah. I mean, the first half he was looking yeah. like he was oh, yeah. top, he was like top 10. 10, but so he has, so if he has stretches I, like that, that that's helpful, you know, in yeah. head to head leagues or, or whatever, you know, that, that helps you build a, a solid foundation and ratios right. too. Right. Well, the truth of the matter is that you should have gone with Kevin Gosman. I'm just kidding. No, um, I consider no, it. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. No, I mean, Kevin Gosman, uh, Musgrove Gallon are all really, really close in my mind. Um, and there wasn't anyone else that's a fact of, definitively higher. I might be placing Christian Javier above well, all of it. That's and we'll right. talk about we'll that talk later. About him in the pit, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I'm, I am trying to say, sixth round. Great. This is where you, like, we're talking top 20 pitchers. And that that range is really good. Uh, I must go 180 innings of good ratios and a lot of strikeouts. Like, you should be very happy with that in the sixth round. Uh, and you can, I, I would have gone sixth, seventh, eighth, likely getting starters mm-hmm. personally. Uh, but you skipped. Yes. No. You went to O'Neill Cruz. You have Tim Anderson. Yep. You don't have a second baseman. Nope. You already have a shortstop and you went to O'Neill Cruz. What, what's going on here? Uh, I, I I think, you know, maybe it's uh, the downfall. I mean, maybe I want that wow factor, but uh, I, I just think that they're. Probably isn't anyone with like this much upside, uh, and I think we kind of saw it a bit in September uh, with Cruz. Um, despite the extremely elevated um, strikeout rates, uh, you know, I think it was like thirty-five percent for the year. Um, he never had that bad of a strikeout rate for an extended period of time in the minors. And what else is also encouraging? Every time he repeated a level or, you know, the next season, he improved that strikeout rate, which I I think that maybe we saw that a bit in September and, you know, you probably can get into trouble with small samples. But in September, he was 288, 359, 525 slash line with a 29.8% strikeout rate. Like he doesn't even need to do it that much. Like he hits the ball that hard. He runs that well. 
if he just can get under 30, I think this pick will provide value. That being said, there's also the chance that it doesn't and, you know, he hits 200 with, you know, uh, no matter how many home runs he hits, it still won't be uh, that smart of a pick in the seventh round. But uh, I, I like the you risk. I feel like resist. I built it. Yeah, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. Yeah. I had the shortstop. Right, you you know, I have a shortstop in case it all goes wrong with him. That was kind of my just my my uh, justification there. But I, I couldn't resist. I'm probably that. gonna go Carlos Correa above O'Neill Cruz. It, that's definitely um, safer. Went Absolutely. The 11th. Yeah, and won the eleventh round and. I would say once Correa is off the board, then I say, all right, I might as well go O'Neill Cruz and see what happens. Um, everybody, I understand the feeling you need to get the next hot thing. You need to be the guy with whoever. Julio yeah, Rodriguez you're probably not going to be able to do that. Like, right. Like Cruz will go, right, exactly. Cruz will go before just because people like the shiny new toy and the idea of it. And suckers like me want the upside. Right. So it's usually not worth uh chasing you want the yes. floor to give your you know again where do you want to find your value don't put all your chips in in one of these young guys necessarily do it later on uh and you'll be surprised there are a lot of young players that are going to do really well this year that are not going in the seventh round yeah maybe maybe draft gunner henderson uh you know maybe not your O'Neal Cruz. Pick. yeah I mean, Gunnar Henderson went the seventh round before this oh, pick. Okay. So. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. He Holy crap. Yeah, he did. I'm going to oh talk to Rick Graham about that one. Um, he went before him. Wow. That is surprising. But yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Christian Javier went in the eighth round. What do you know? Look at that. I love this pick. Uh, talk to me about Christian Javier. This is my sweet spot for starting pitchers. It's usually even a little later than, than Musgrove. I remember last year, I think I went... Uh, Otani Darvish in in the mock draft, which by the way, my mock draft last year was like the best draft that I have. Real <laughs> like it was. I had like Judge Alonzo, uh, Otani pitcher, uh, like McKenzie in the late round. I even had Javier in like the twentieth round. Like I wish I just did that draft all draft season. I would have done a lot better uh, oh, with, with my uh, with my fantasy season. But that said. This is normally where I like to target pitchers, and obviously I, I did and did that here. I went three pitchers in a row. Like I think around pick pick one hundred, like you know, that's where you know Shane McClanahan was going last year. Two years before that, that's kind of where you know Julio Arias was going. Like there's fantasy number one sitting in this range, like every year, and I think the three guys that I want here have that that sort of potential. And Javier you know, I think has, has the best of it. He was just so, so good. Like I think it was like a 169 batting average against with a 168 expected batting average against it. Just absolutely crazy. Like a 40% whiff rate on the slider. If there's any bit of improvement in, in, in the changeup or the curveball, And you know, I know he started to use that curveball versus lefties a bit. Uh, look at like Javier is just so, so good. I know I don't have to preach to you on this one i i, I know uh sure. Javier's your boy so i'm looking at last year's mock draft i couldn't help myself <laughs> this is steve's draft ronald acuna jr aaron judge byron buxton so one for three yeah. so far yeah um pete alonso brandon lau carlos correa 
Chris Bryant. I don't know. I don't know how strong you're yeah, feeling my, right my, now. No, my, I, I'm, I, I don't know what it is. This isn't like every draft. Like I need someone to auto draft or maybe I should just turn on auto draft for the first five rounds. Cause yeah, then there you go. after that, it, 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 it would, okay. you know, it's more the pitching staff, but Hey, judge would have made up for, uh, sure. For, for that and Alonso there. sounds yeah, great. Same. Um, Shohei Otani, the pitcher, um, you Darvish, 10th round, Luis Garcia. I gave you a hard time on that mm-hmm. one on the podcast. I remember that. Yep. Uh, Jonathan India, really like that one. Uh, Adam Wainwright, gave you a hard time on that one. Mm-hmm. Nelson Cruz, I think I gave you a hard time maybe on Tristan McKenzie, but that worked out very well. Uh, Eliezer Hernandez, Adbert Alzale, Christian Javier, yeah. 17th round. Yeah. Uh, Joe Adele, Garrett Whitlock, Anthony Bender, James Caprillion, Hunter Green, and Mitch Garver. So mock drafts are fun. And I think that's a really good showcase of say, look at that team and think to yourself, all right, like half of those were excellent picks and half of them, not so much, but that's every that's kinda, fantasy. Yeah. That's how this every fantasy team. Yeah. Yeah. You know? you just I, your... I look at my pitching staff. I literally took, I took one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine starters. And the there's only really one or two that I'm proud of. Which was Shane McClanahan in the eighth round. Yeah, I wanted him. In the, but in I have draft, yeah. Jack Flaherty in here and Charlie Morton, Ian Anderson, Michael Kopech, Sean Manaya, Alex Wood, but then Jesus Lazardo, yeah. um, Chris Paddock, and Mike Soroka in the last two of the last three rounds. Like, I at the time felt really good about that. And then, nope, so stupid of me. How could I ever? Right? You, so, you need like everything you I need the hits myself. to to be more successful than the misses are failures, right? Like you would need judge to make up for Acuna and Bryant, right? Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. or, or, or whatever other mistakes that you have, like that's, that's, that's just how it is. Like you're, you're going to have bad picks and not necessarily by bad process, but. And uh, your boy Van is going to, catch some strays right now because he took uh <laughs> ranger suarez in the 11th uh, that, that we've talked about that all year yeah and josiah yeah, gray yeah, in the 15th yeah. but nestor cortez in the 20th yeah yeah like that um, makes up like if you yeah. have nestor cortez you yeah. don't care if you took suarez there in the 11th go. right because this is look what i've done i've destroyed I've destroyed the flow of this podcast. People gone Bieber. Yeah, now we're talking about a different mock draft. We're, we're, we're all oh, the man. This is last year's, yeah. guys. This is last year's <laughs> draft. I feel bad for Ben Pernick, whose first three pitchers were Walker Bueller, Lucas Giolito, and Frankie Montas. Oh, boy. At least that wasn't Lino. Givaldi, Sixto Sanchez, Luis Patino, Anthony Descofani, and Kyle Muller. He just... some <laughs> Sometimes that's just what's going to happen, guys. Yeah. yeah. It's just going to happen when you do a mock draft in the spring. Oh, sorry, in the in the fall. Yeah. Okay. All right. Coming back to it. The Christian Javier. I think he's Strider 2.0. Yeah. I, that's what I literally what? have that in my notes. He yeah. was Strider without the hype. Like, for yeah. whatever reason, uh, maybe because he was out of the bullpen last year. And, Four-seamer yeah. and slider profile very similarly, even though the, the velocity is different. The results are very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Um. It's, I think, why get, why get Spencer Strider in the fourth? You know, mm-hmm. we have Spencer Strider at home and mm-hmm. it's Christian Javier. Uh, and you get that four rounds later and everything is great. Do you think there's any, like, uh, maybe if this is a bad example, but like Freddie Peralta kind of had the similar profile and I know it was maybe more injury, like even with Strider, maybe too, is there any of that risks there that 
you know, even by results, when when Peralta was healthy this year, it wasn't that peak. 2021 is is there mm-hmm. any concern with with strider or Javier yeah i understand that? Yeah. that one um peralta i think it was the slider that got introduced that changed everything and that's i mean you see javier slider is mm-hmm. great and so is spencer striders um and then he got hurt <laughs> and yeah. messed him up um that, that's really it for yeah. freddie peralta where did he go in this one because honestly I, there might be something really yeah to it. i think so I uh know. he went in the 10th round uh to Rick Graham. i think that's a great value yeah, I, I don't know. Injury is very weird. Yeah, true. It's very, yeah. very hard to, and at that point, you're turning down John Gray, Jesus Lazardo, Pablo Lopez, Joe Ryan, and those are, to me, that's money in the bank mm-hmm. you're leaving, Um, to, in my view, for those mm-hmm. four guys. I could be very wrong about that. Um, Some people are not in on John Gray. There's some, in, you know, but Joe Ryan, I mean, like, that's that feels like, hey, you get Joe Ryan. Yeah. I think, okay. Um, But I... Uh, but anyway, the, I, we digress. Christian Javier to me should not be going in the eighth round. Seal of approval. You get this one. Nice. Um, he has the best face on any of our pro. Um, go to our player pages. If you haven't used our the Pitchless player pages yet, seriously, just do it once. And that's all I ask. And go to Christian Javier's page and you'll see the saddest face you'll ever see. <laughs> I'm not His even I'm not even on the page, insane. but I've seen the headshot. You know, it's probably used in other places it, too. Like he, he looks, looks so yeah, yeah, he, like for but, him, yeah. you know? Yeah. What's going like on? You just won the puppy. World Series, yeah. Christian. Yeah. And it was amazing. Um, and a big part of the reason why they did it. Yeah. Oh, he's so good. Um, he didn't throw a no hitter or anything twice this year um, and get removed. Um, the, I, one of the big issues this year for Christian Javier is all right, 149 innings. How are the Astros going to use him? Are they going to let him go farther than that? He hasn't really been pushed yet. He was in the re- he was in uh, relief earlier on this year, and then he got moved to the rotation, just stuck there. It should be fine. I mean, he should start all the way through, and that means 170 innings to me, Christian Javier. And if they don't re-sign Verlander, which I don't know if they will. I just obviously don't know. It's just kind of like a gut feeling, but they'll definitely need to rely on him more if they don't. Right. I mean, Verlander's going to say, hey, look, you see the deal that Scherzer just got? Yeah, I give want Give me that. that, yes. Give me that, please. Three years of $40 million. What team will do it? And then he'll go off into the sunset. Yeah. Um. But uh, we'll, yeah, we'll see what that, that how that pans out. Christian Javier, eighth round, every draft. I want that. Um, fastball is elite, guys. Top five pitch in the majors. I'm just gonna tell you right now, it, it is just that good of a pitch. I just want a slider to get more than a 62 percent strike rate. I think it can. I just, I just don't want to have his, his chase rate isn't isn't great either, which is kind of weird. He makes yeah. too many mistakes on. No, it's because. Um, you see a low chase rate and you think, oh man, it's out of the zone. The guys aren't going after it. No, 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 no. When it's out of the zone, when it's competitive, they, they swing at it. But it's because he's not throwing competitive ones. Yeah. There's times he, he hooks it yeah. you know, to a lefty up and away. You know, um, it, it, it's a little different. Think of it like that and go, oh, okay, right. It's because when out of the zone, it's often a waste. But when it's close by, yeah, I mean, guys are swinging at it, right? 11% hard contact rate on it is so good. That's oh, it's one of the best around. So Maybe that's a you gotta, uh, you gotta love it. That's another fast stat or something like uh, chase rate on pitches that you know, oh. el- eliminate competitive pitches. Oh, pitch, non-competitive oh don't, you, don't you worry. <laughs> PL8 will make you happy then, oh. uh, uh, Steve Giswelli. We have something just for that. Music oh. uh, to my ears. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, anyway, moving on to another pitcher. It's Nick Lodolo time. 366 ERA, 125 whip, 30% carry. It's 16th best in the majors. 
21 percent, uh, sorry, 31 percent CSW, which was 21st in the majors, and also limited card contact of just 23 percent. That's 27th best in majors. Nick Lucadolo just threw 103 innings, could throw a lot more next year, and you seem to like him as uh, well. Yes, this is a pitcher that I want in every single draft. I think this is where he'll go just because you know there's some innings concern the surface numbers didn't look great uh he got knocked around a bit in the first half uh but this is like my mcclanahan target from 2022 Mm. like i'm not saying that he'll be that good and be this top five starting pitcher but i think that this is a great value and a guy that can be Someone that's talked about as a top twenty picture next year, and you know, being drafted at what like SP thirty costs now around around there. Um, I absolutely love Nick Lodolo. Two eighty two ERA in the second half and seventy two innings pitch with a thirty percent strikeout yeah. rate, under nine percent walk rate. The the curveball uh, usage went up, which is a great pitch um, in the second half. So all the things you like to see um, for a guy to that you would hope is going to break out, and I think that's what Nick Lodolo will do in 2023. I hope so. Um, in some ways, it reminds me of if Sean Manaya had a really good breaking ball. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know how to feel about his, his fastball yet. I don't know if he's actually commanding it. He's getting it in the zone, and he has a good enough strike rate, about 67% on the, on the sinker. Uh, but it's a 261 average allowed, 32% hard contact. He's in Cincinnati. The curveball is excellent, though. 12% hard contact allowed is phenomenal. 21% swing strike rate. And there is something to say about the the changeup that had moments overall. Um, you don't want a wide breadth of uh, of height difference on the changeup. Like when you see good changeups, what you're going to see on, on the strike zone plot are ones that go into the down and away box. So like arm side or down away from a um, opposite handed hitter. So arm side and down and just like is a goatee for that. Right. And the more that you see the middle box get get colored and away from it, like you just want it to be shrunk as much as possible. Very bad description. All I'm trying to say is that they're always aiming the same spot with a change up uh, for the most part. It's very rare to have any uh, aim for anything different with it. And Lodola isn't quite there yet. Very inconsistent with it still. When it does work, it's beautiful. But it does really turn him into a two-pitch pitcher. And I think you're still going to see some volatility. There are going to be days when he's pinpointing the heater and the curveball is beautiful and it's great. I, I'm i looking at the draft board and I see Lance Lynn, George Kirby, Logan Webb, Logan Gilbert, Chris Bassett. And I see all of those and... I was debating, do I put Lugdolo before this group in my tiers or after? And I have it after because I can see a situation where he just becomes a cherry bomb. Where it's one day, he's he's like Andrew Heaney in this way of, I'm throwing amazing, you know, 10 strikeout games. And then all of a sudden the next one, I allow a couple home runs and it's three, four runs on the board. And I won't he won't get as many innings, I don't think, as the guys I just mentioned. I, I'm a little worried. Maybe the whip is going to be high. Maybe the walk rate is not going to be um, 8.8%, but actually closer to 10% next year. So there's still some molding to be done. I, I enjoyed him in the preseason. I was like, oh man, Lodolo more than Hunter Green. Hunter Green tried to redeem himself by the end. Uh, ultimately, I think like through the year, if he had to have both of them, Lodolo is much less of a headache when he did pitch. Um, 
I still believe that the overall command is a little bit better with dull than green, but I could be wrong with that. And uh, it, it's too risky for me. I'd rather, I know it's weird. I, I love chasing the young pitcher who's going to come into his own and everything. But without a third offering, that is also really good. Like McClanahan, curveball and slider were excellent. Yeah. And, and, then he add, and then he added the changeup too. Yeah. And then yeah. the changeup was there and the fastball command yeah. was better. Yes. And like, that's what made him do it. But he had two elite offerings already. Mm-hmm. And Lodolo has one, one. with yeah. a, not a 97 mile per hour fastball and not mm-hmm. one that is just making us go, what? This is insane. Also, I think generally like kind of the command was already kind of good with McClanahan mm-hmm. um, before. So I'm I'm a little more hesitant with Lodolo. I want him, but I don't know about ninth round. That's all. Fair. For your next pick, I think your next one's better. George Kirby. That's George Kirby. Love me some yeah. George. Love me some George Kirby. Why do you love why do you love George Kirby? I mean for for all the things that that you you said and you know and all your SP roundup blurbs with how good the fastball was and him having success despite not having that elite secondary pitch. And I think he did it in a weird way, but when he added that sinker for like called strikes and the, the slider was tweaked a little bit. I think he changed his grip um, in, in the second half, but he, he, you know, he bumped up the, 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 the percentage of it and the K rate went up with that in the second half. Like, I think we kind of saw Kirby unlocking those levels in real time in the second half last year. It, it, it kind of reminds me of Beaver with elite, that elite command, maybe not the secondaries as much, but the fastball command where he can just kind of spot it wherever he wants, that that gives me that sort of vibes. You know, nothing like the curveball and slider that Bieber has, but it just seems like he puts the fastball wherever he wants. Uh, and with that uptick in the slider usage and movement in the second half, like uh, I think that we could see another potential breakout here with Kirby. I have a good one for you. I'm going to say this is the best version of Oda Rizzi. Okay. Um, because Bieber likes to put down away fastballs and up and in. And like he likes to move it around. Yeah. And Kirby um, has it's all much about more called velocity, velocity too, right? Like Kirby's. Yeah. 95. Can push it to 96. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, and Kirby goes up or third. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, eight, 16% swing strike rate is insanely good. Uh, on, on a four-seamer. It is actually the third best of any four-seamer in the majors, um, which is insane. The problem has been the curveball and the slider. Now, you did mention the slider did change. It was a slower pitch, which essentially tells you he's changing. It's not like mm-hmm. a cutter that it was earlier on. Didn't get too many whiffs on it, though. Um, he didn't. It didn't really see that resounding success that I wanted to see, but I like that he was experimenting. Good. This isn't working, so hopefully you're doing something. Yeah. Because the... The thing before was not good, so try something that might be good. Um, he did spot it better, though. Like, it's not bad locations of it. It wasn't necessarily an ineffective pitch. just wasn't a good one. Um, and both of those pitches, actually, the side and the curveball, allowed roughly a 320 average across the full year. So the the new one was better. But the fastball, just a 223 batting average allowed. And that allows for such a foundation that if there's anything that does click for Kirby in this offseason as he enters his second year, this could soar a lot more. 339 ERA, 121 whip, 24.5% K rate. 
I think a lot of things do get better for him. And keep in mind, that's a high whip given the 4% walk rate. That's a 9.3 hit per nine, which is really high. Uh, generally, you talk about good pitchers, you see under eight. The league average is 8.7. That's among all starting pitchers, the top 200 batters faced. Like, that's not good 9.3. So that should come down. The whip should not be above 120 next year for Kirby. You get lots of innings. And with those strikeouts, with those innings, you had 133 Ks in just 130 innings. So you get 180 innings. I mean, they're not going to stop Kirby. No. He's just going to keep pitching. He's not going to be a five and dive. Uh, so you might see 180 to 200 from Kirby this year. And yeah, I'm not worried about like the 130 innings and the pitch counts and everything. No, no, they're just going to let him go like they did with Logan Gilbert. So you might see close to 200 strikeouts from George Kirby. Uh, it's just a matter of... Can he get a secondary pitch that is just like, oh, yes, this is it. And I believe in him more than Logan Gilbert, I think, to to get there. So I'm pretty in on on George Kirby for next year. And I like it in the 10th the round. What I mean, do you I think? think really what value. do you think the sinker does? Like, wh- I, like, that's so curious to me. It's like, obviously, he knows that he needs to add or, or improve the, the curveball and, and slider. And. The success, maybe it's more correlation, you know, correlation is in causation, but he did have this amazing second half run when he added in that sinker. Is it just so, so that guys aren't sitting four seam all the time to, to kind of mix it up from that uh, while he tries to figure out the, the slider and curve? Like, it, it, that's just so interesting to me whenever yeah, uh, it's a guy possible. does something like that. Robbie Ray. Yeah, Robbie Ray, yeah. it fixes it's just a different look. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a called strike pitch, 24% yeah. called strikes, as mm-hmm. opposed to the fastball that was only 15%. Uh, it messed guys up, 16.5% yeah. hard contact. So, yeah, maybe it was that good of a, a different look or a different, uh, you know, guys were just on top, trying to get on top of the heater, and all of a sudden they were... Yeah, I, ha- I had a lot of George mountain. Kirby shares last year, and there was just so many pretty called strikes with that with that sinker it was a it was a fun pitch yeah. to, to watch yeah so i mean i'm, I'm glad it worked for him <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, my whole belief with the sinker is that it should be jammed inside arm side uh, like to same handedness batters but um that, that's just me uh but i like the george kirby pick 10th round if you can get a 10th round you should be thrilled you get another seal of approval for that one um you get brandon lau on the 11th round because it's your second base my gosh we are going long on this podcast um, talk to me about Brandon Lau. Uh, I need the second baseman. Think that Lau can bounce back. I know he's had a bunch of back injuries in the past, which is which is concerning. But you know he still played 149 games uh, in, in 2021, 56 out of the 60 in, in 2020. Uh, it just seemed like everything was derailed because of that injury uh, last year. Um, you know, despite that, there were some encouraging signs to cut the K rate a bit while keeping a, a double-digit walk rate. Um, so uh, I, I needed a second baseman. I think you know Lau was going as probably like a fifth, sixth round pick last year, maybe a little higher, um, and hopefully goes back to you know that 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 pace that he was on in twenty twenty one, where he hit thirty nine homers. Uh, his second half, I think he like hit close to like. 280, 285, too, in the second half of 2021, which had me super excited about him this year. Uh, and he wasn't as bad versus lefties in the second half of 2021, too. 
Um, obviously, that did not work out, and it was an injury-riddled season. But uh, I'll take my chances with Brandon Lau in the eleventh round, uh, especially when I need the second baseman there. So uh, I'm trying to find your mock draft, and I can't do it, uh, which is very frustrating uh, from last year. I uh, but I think it was sixth, seventh round, um, as we reviewed it before. But I, yeah, I mean, I mean, there aren't he many went, options. He went. Or, I uh, took him in the fifth round last year. Uh, so oh, fifth round. Oh yeah. boy. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. There, there it is. That's yeah. where Brand Lau was going last year. Um, you needed a second baseman, and there isn't much left. So I, I get it. I get just hoping that like, hey, this will this will come back. Thirty nine home runs, ninety seven runs, ninety nine RBI in two thousand twenty one. Didn't really change as far as his skill set goes. Mm-hmm. Eight home runs in sixty five games translates to about. 25 or so i uh, not that much of a drop i mean obviously 39 sure a bouncy ball bouncy ball yeah bit, yeah but mm-hmm. but still 25 home runs from the second base if that's what you're expecting the 221 average he was hurt a little all that stuff um i would hope that you can get brandon Lau a little bit later than this yeah but uh, maybe it was a, a, a i was a victim of just not having a second baseman so i had to yeah, take him earlier. right yeah. and that's the thing though maybe everyone's gonna feel that way yeah. um at this point you know jonathan india is someone else i would be circling i think if i didn't have one at this point mm-hmm. but von grissom i don't know um We'll, we'll see. Uh, it's, it's more of a product of saying, hey, go get Marcus Semien or Ozzy Albies or Mookie Betts or Jose Altuve mm-hmm. or Trevor Story or something else early in your draft, whoever you want that to be. Uh, we're going to move to the 12th. You realize you didn't have a closer and you got Devin Williams. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, I was surprised he he was, was available. Uh, I, I don't see why he won't have that job in Milwaukee unless they do something Weird, which they're you know they traded Josh Hader last year, right? So uh, that was <laughs> that was weird. Um, but you know, uh, I had no reason why I don't think he should be a, a, a top end closer, and I'll, I'll take that all day in, in the twelfth round. Yeah, I mean it's pretty straightforward there. Uh, one ninety three ERA, one hundred one WHIP, forty percent K was third best in the majors. The only question to me really is health, because the way he throws that changeup and pronates it is just so bad for your arm. Um, like I cannot express. Has he had uh, a, a serious arm injury? Well, he I don't had think like a, so. He had yeah. a scare of it, I believe, in 2020. Got it. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, you're right. Um, when he was having the most ridiculous of times in 27 innings, he had a 53% K rate, and I, I think he allowed one earned run in that time. Um, but I, but yeah, I mean, he's second on the saves. Uh, saves and holds list, but from Rick Graham or third rather, and you get a seal of approval game in the twelfth round. Yeah. Good job, nice, thank you. I, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, not going to happen. You're not going to no, get this. No. How we all? No, I think uh, what happened is we were just kind of starting by saves, and we all hadn't made these stuff, these things yet. Yeah. And Rick Graham hadn't updated yeah. his list, <laughs> yeah, and probably. we were all running blind. And then we're like, oh right, even though he had 15 saves, we know he's not going to have 15. He's going to have like 30 plus, and and also yeah. in a lot of like NFBC drafts or you know other leagues there's just such a tax and inflation on closers that none of these like you know josh Hader and rice Iglesias won't be available in the 10th round uh you know, ryan presley not gonna be available in the 11th it's just right uh, yeah uh, don't uh, look at nfbc yeah. adp as of right now we're yeah. doing this on november 17th it's all draft and holds which yeah. is not the same yeah uh so you're not gonna be able to find anything on the wider you got to get them now and yes. that's it exactly yeah. um 
Nick Castellanos in the 13th. Are you buying a buy a bounce back here for uh, Castellanos? Yeah, I think maybe with what um, I sort of hinted at with Lindor and Arenado, you know, guys in a new city trying to, you know, justify a contract. I, I know uh, Eno Saris has done a lot of research on that and, and, you know, quotes a lot of research on that, that, you know, guys do press and chase uh, in the first year of, of big contracts. I know like uh, – Bogman and them just have a set rule of not drafting guys uh, that signed to big deals on new teams, uh, which which is interesting. So Castellanos is a guy that chases in the first place and doesn't have the best chase rate. So maybe uh, the the pressing sort of got to him there. Uh, you know, I know there was like that incident with the the reporter where they asked him a question about you know. Uh, his performance and there was like some snipping, snippiness when the Phillies weren't on their magical run to the World Series in the middle of, you know, June, July when they were struggling. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that Castellanos uh, is absolutely a, a good bounce back candidate here. Um, just I hope ha- you're right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 34 home runs, 100 RBI in 2021. And in 2022, just 13. Yeah, crazy. Runs. crazy. Uh, 9% homebrew five ball rate. Um, and uh, uh, on our player page, five ball is a little bit different with us. But still, that's oof. You got to do better than that, mm-hmm. Castellanos. Especially you're Isn't in it? Philadelphia, right? Like just hit some yeah. fly balls like they're going to go, you know. It should go. So hopefully he does bounce back there. I mean, really the average tanking to 263 after the 309 season is a little annoying as well mm-hmm. um so things should get better um for castellanos you hope um and you look at the 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 market of outfielders at this point you have taylor ward who i actually would go after i really I like agree. that pick from i Amber like that Nett. i like that as well um and make sure you tell him on the podcast i uh, whit merrifield hunter renfro mitch hanniger jared kelnick you don't really have too many stellar choices so say for Taylor Ward. I like Renfro. I Renfro too. Renfro's Renfro's good too. Oh, thanks, yeah. buddy. Yeah. I appreciate that. That was my pick. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. He, I just saw I a mean, guy he had, hit lots of home runs. He had twenty nine like, home fine. runs in like you know uh, he hundred twenty games. games yeah. uh, about. So I said, sure, why not? That was my that was the depth of my analysis uh, for the fourteenth round with Hunter Renfro. But anyway, uh, Cassiano certainly is someone to consider, especially right now at this discount. Uh, if he's going in the 13th, 14th round, if you feel good with a closer, like you could have gotten, uh, let's see, Kenley Jansen, uh, for example, to get your second closer. It, but if you felt, you know what, I don't really like all these other things I need. My third outfielder, Castellanos, is an interesting one to go for here. David Bednar, you did get your closer-ish <laughs> in the 14th round. Tell me about him. Uh, I mean, you know, when he was healthy last year, he was... One of the the better relievers, uh, you know, for a, a good amount of time. Like, not only was he getting a bunch of saves, but he was going like two innings, striking out a bunch of guys. Like, despite the fact that he was on the Pirates and one of the worst teams in the league, he was still a really valuable closer. Then had that injury and was sort of shut down. So, you know, I I, I like drafting skill over, uh, especially this early in in the in the. In the draft season right like we're not even really in draft season yet uh so we don't have the news and you're sure bednar could get traded or whatever but might not have the closer role but i think his skill matches up with anyone you know in that area like i prefer bednar skills to to jansen's like jansen is you know he gets a lot of saves but doesn't 
do it easily. Uh, and who knows where Jansen's going to be? I think he's a free agent. Uh, so, um, yeah, right, exactly. Sure. I, I like Bednar's skills and think he should get saves. Even if he was traded, he, uh, I'd find it hard to believe that he wouldn't be in contention at least for some saves on whatever team he really goes to, unless it's like you know uh, a, a team with like you know, like the Oreo, like Batista or something, or, or Milwaukee right. with Williams. So. If you don't know David Bednar, that's okay, guys. He throws a four-seamer that's 96-97, 18% swinging strike rate, which just was the sixth among all relievers in baseball. That's what you need to yeah. know is curveball 41% CSW, 34th uh, among all curveballs among relievers in CSW. It, it's a backbreaker because they're expecting the heat and all of a sudden it just falls in there. It's lovely to see. Limits hard contact. He also has a splitter that gets about whiffs 18% of the time. It's a nice surprise to strike offering. Not your elite splitter, but it's good. And there you go. You have a guy who loves to go upstairs with the four seamers and make guys look silly. Um, the Pirates should be dealing him. Yeah. I wouldn't be, especially what you see the free agent signings. Uh, yeah. The, the reliever, the reliever market is extremely inflated. Uh, yeah. Right. And- so, so I, think, I would not be shocked if Bednar's on the move, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens yeah. um, this winter. Wherever he does go, Bednar could be turn into a. I could see Bednar being your seventh, eighth inning guy instead of the de facto closer. Yeah, he can um, go multiple innings, to, right? Yeah, so maybe they would do that. Right. Well, it's just more of or not man, even that. Yeah, just yeah, yeah, just like a guy that's just set mm-hmm. up man or, or high leverage, mm-hmm. because teams don't really care about getting nope. the closer now. It's just you have the closer, sure, but you need a whole team of closers essentially. Um, and Bednar could fit the bill. So expect him on the move. At least I, I would be shocked if the Pirates didn't do something, honestly. Um, Charlie Morton's your next one, and he's returning. We didn't know, and he is. <laughs> and, I mean, the time of the draft, it was understood. He made, he had signed that deal with the with Atlanta. 434 ERA, 124 with 20% K rate, but after July, uh, when he really clicked in, um, was, I guess, sorry, June 17th against the Cubs. And even the start before, he had 12 strikeouts against Pittsburgh. And I thought, hmm, this is it. Mm-hmm. After four straight games of four and runs, it felt great. And he went on this beautiful run. Four of five games, at least nine strikeouts. And that was a much better version of Charlie Morton. But it, we had to wait until June 17th. Yeah. Are you hoping that he's just going to start off? So he ha- he broke his leg in the World Series the year before. Um, fractured his leg. Fractured right. his leg, and then it actually came out in an article. He, Kyle Wright, actually saw that he wasn't pushing off from that that leg and wasn't getting the drive that he was normal normally getting. And Morton said, "Yeah, I, I worked with that and focused on that and started pushing off how I used to and and using that leg. I guess you know subconsciously when you break your leg, you probably make adjustments to right. uh, you know uh, compensate for that. So he." sort of clicked with that and was back to the Charlie Morton that we used to know and love. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> love. Uh, and I hope so. I mean, we waited until May of 2021 uh, for Charlie Morton. To He's always, a sl- yeah. We like his April June this yeah. year. Got to wait until July. Yeah. I hope not. I hope um, not. <laughs> yeah, I, I sure do. Um, I, I want to say, I I mean, I really, I love this in the 15th round. Mm-hmm. 15th round is fantastic for Charlie Morton uh, because it's just like, sure, what do you got to lose? 
you know, the guys that are going around here is Brady Singer and Patrick Sandoval and Aaron Ashby and uh, Drew Rasmussen. And it's just, wait, we're already in the high upside plays? Like, okay, yeah, I'll get the one that can go theoretically 200 innings with a 300, 3 ERA and a 27% K rate. Like, yes, on a winning ball club who will pitch as long as he can, you know? I think this is a great pick 15th round. I'm giving you only seal of approvals for for pitchers, but it's the best it's the best thing you're doing yeah, that, here. Yeah, that's, so. that's that's what I'm that's what I'm good. That's my uh that's my I I I I can't draft hitters clearly just looking back at <laughs> all my other drafts. So, I need to go I need to go more chalk and auto draft with uh, and, with my And what's really nice is that yeah. I I often say you need 3-4 pitchers that you don't draft through the year and you're not drafting him at that point. This is your fifth, sixth, yeah. even it could be, you know. So if you get Charlie Morton then and just not shaping up, you don't feel guilty dropping him. It's no, okay. It's fine. And it's fine. in your deeper leagues, you can't. Mm-hmm. But in a 12 teamer, you're going to maybe have some remorse because, oh, it's Charlie Morton or whatever. But if he's just starting to like, get rid of it, whatever, it could turn around. But I love You'll probably pick around. up okay, someone Jordan. else that's, you know, this year's Spencer Strider or Javier. Well, lucky. Yeah, if you're lucky, sure. Or you pick, but, or you, yeah. If you're like me, you pick up Matt Brash. Okay, um, and Drew Rasmussen, <laughs> Rasmussen uh, in the 16th round. Um, and I've I've warmed up to Drew Rasmussen. I was uh, I was a little down on it. Um, oh yeah, I picked up Matt Brash, and I also had Luzardo and McGill who went down on the same day. It was a really nice year. Um, it was one of those. It's fine. I I thought I was cruising. Um, but Drew Rasmussen, we're going to talk about him now. Um, 284 ERA, 104 whip. The biggest concern I have about Rasmussen, it's only 21% K rate. He's a little inconsistent and the Rays feel like he's a five and dive. Um, this was an opportunity this year for Rasmussen to go off and, and cruise. He started all 28 games that he played and it was just 5.2 innings. So he didn't go five and a third on average, right? Um, that's a little... Uh, it, it's a little tough. 125 strikeouts in 28 games. That's pretty much holding on to him for through the full year. And you get 125 Ks from that. It's different than a normal 21% K guy. And it's 146 innings. Again, 28 games started. So I'm, I'm a little out on it because it feels a little tough to... You know, you need it to be a 284 ERA 104 whip, essentially. I mean, sure, if it's a 330 ERA and a 110, it's like, that's great, Nick. What are you talking about? I get it. 11 wins, I don't know if that's going to be replicated. Um, I don't know. I, I felt like he overperformed this year, and I don't I don't have so much faith he gets better. But I'm sure you see something different. I want you to tell me about it. Uh, yeah, it's it's the second half. Um, in, in the second half of the year, it was 245, the 22% strikeout rate, and just a 3.5% walk rate. Um, the cutters, and that was like his third pitch, and it's still really good. Um, the slaughter gets good whiffs. Um, he added a sinker in July. So I, I, I really liked what I saw. I had a, a good amount of Drew Rasps in, in, in the second half. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm a bit biased, but. To kind of push back on the inning totals, here's what he did from August on as far as inning total, yeah. right? Um, six innings, three innings. That was like a, a – um, it was like I remember he was cruising. I don't think he gave up a hit uh, in, in that start. And I was like, what are they doing? Like why – like what's going on? It was like first right, the Tigers. Right. So I was like, what's happening? But then next start, 8.1, 5.2, 5.1, 6.6, 4. Six, six point one and seven. 
So they kind of let him go towards the end of the year. And there was a lot of good strikeout total games there. He had strikeout totals of 10, 9, 8, and 7 in, in a few of those starts. So he also had 4, 1, 3, yeah, 5, 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm cherry picking the good ones, but there was, you know, uh, uh, and there was two four inning, four earned run starts there as well. Um, yeah. That was at Toronto and versus Houston, though. But then he finished the year really well versus them. So I, I think that there might be a little more here. And maybe this is not the best way to, to to look at it, but you know it's the Rays. Like I think they know what they're doing, right? And the fact that they let him go a little bit more towards the end of the year uh, gave me a, a bit of confidence there with Rasmussen that maybe they'll yeah. treat him like a more traditional starter uh, if they do what they did in August and September. I I just feel it's just so weird. There's some nights where like he's able to put his cutter and his slider in the right spot. And that's a really good point that mm-hmm. they did increase inning totals and. That was a very deserved pushback. Um, does he still allows a decent amount of hard contact on both the cutter and the slider? Um, I I don't know if any of these are like an elite offering. Uh, uh, the four thirty one percent hard contact, uh, two twenty two twenty eight batting average allowed. You know, sub ten percent swing strike rate despite ninety five plus. The cutter, good CSW thirty one percent, good strike rate seventy two percent. 27% hard contact, 248 batting average a lot. Like it is generally very good. It's just not like that pitch. And you would think that with a guy with a 104 whip and a 7.5 hit per nine, that you would get better uh hard contact suppressors than this. And you kind of don't. Um, I don't I don't know. I I feel so, it's so weird being Drew Rasmus. I feel like Drew Rasmus is gonna be like the Miles Michaelis of the next year, you know, if you're looking for it, like he could just repeat this kind of thing and you don't expect more than 150 strikeouts. Um, but he should help you in ERA and whip. And I should be raising him in my rankings. I don't think he has the elite ceiling that the ERA and whip would suggest. Um, I think he's more towards, his, and he's probably more towards his indicators, which is still pretty Good, right? Like a mid three right. zero. I mean, sixteenth round. This is fine. Yeah, sixteenth yeah. round. Like, sure, you got something that you might just hold on to for the entire year, mm-hmm. um, and that's fine. Uh, I remember actually, I had to do my streaming rankings every every day, and with Rasmussen, I never knew what to do. I felt like, all right, you have him, you're gonna start him, but it's like, there are some days it's just like, dude, I don't know what you're up to. Like, are you throwing the cutters down away and doing that consistently, getting all these whiffs with them? And then you're not the next day. You got like 18 whiffs total. And the next game, you like four. And it's just, I hate this. It's amazing that the Rays got this reliever, though, and made him into this serviceable yeah. starter with a 2-4 ERA over 146 it's, innings. It's just, that's just so Rays. Wants to be. It's um, just so Rays. Yeah. Um, we're going to move on here to William Contreras. You finally got a catcher. We are yep. so over the 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 time limit doesn't we'll, matter uh, we'll, we'll power we'll pass. power through there is these. Yeah. there's no time yeah. limit what am i talking about one Contreras is your catcher how do you feel about this uh good um in my little notes here among catchers with 250 plate appearances uh max ev he was third barrel percentage he was ninth hard hit percentage he was fifth walk percentage he was fifth uh william Contreras is just a, a, a good hitter um you know i know travis day is still there but he's still got enough run with him this year uh, to be a valuable catcher uh, in, in drafts. And I don't, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of move there. 
Uh, I think there's even a few games where they put him out in the outfield. That's just how good uh, Contreras is and what they think of his bat. So, uh, you know, good lineup. I think that, you know, this is kind of where I always look for, for catchers. I was kind of like in the Sean Murphy range here this year, last year. That worked out pretty well. Um, so, at, you know, pick 202 in the 17th round for my first catcher with that sort of batted ball skills. Uh, I, I, I like it a lot. So I'm looking up now, um, catchers, uh, fly ball exit velocity specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see, William Contreras, uh, oh, come on, you can do this. Come on. Load for me. Um, cause he had a really good one. William Contreras had a, uh, 93.4, sorry, 94.2 fly ball exit velocity league average is 87. So it's what you kind of want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and pretty impressive stuff there for William Contreras. I mean, yeah, that that's the highest of all catchers. I'm last year. Roberto Perez, uh, Perez at 93.4 um, is second. So kind of interesting there um, to think about that. I Yeah, I dig this. I mean, you, you if you don't want to go with Travis Darno, who um, I don't know how the how Lance is going to split them up. Maybe TH between the two of them, or as you mentioned, outfield for Contreras. I don't know. Um, and I yeah, don't know if I don't know if Ozuna's back. Hope, like I know he played yeah, a bunch whatever. of DH, so hopefully he's yeah. not there, and they they can kind of split some time. Like, but they found close to every day at bats for a catcher for Contreras last year. I don't see why they wouldn't be able to do it again. Yeah, right. Um, nice walk rate, 10%. The swing strike rate, K rate, maybe yeah. needs to change a little bit. Yeah, so a little average is 78. Um, isn't great. You know, 15% swing strike rate, 28% K rate. But yeah, William Contreras, solid catcher. And if you missed, you know, Will Smith, Lee Rutschman, Real Muto, Alejandro Kirk, I feel pretty good about this um, in the 17th round. Evan Phillips is next in the 18th. You want to get another chance at a closer, huh? Oh, yeah. And what what's a better one that Right now, if the season starts today, he's got to be the Dodgers' closer, right? Like, uh, mm. I, 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 I wouldn't think that they would go uh, to Kimbrel uh, with just how bad of a, a, a year he had. And Phillips' skill, um, you know, in a 12-team league, maybe you wouldn't roster him just, just based on skill without his role. But it's that good that, you know, like in 15-teamers, like he had some value just because he was that good, even without the saves and just sort of the ancillary saves that he got there. Um, for the Dodgers. So uh, another guy with just elite, elite skills out of the bullpen that I like to draft. Yeah, 20%, 20% swing strike rate on the slider. Uh, the cutter gets a ton of strikes and does not allow hard contact. And the four-seamer is a very solid hard, co- mitig- hard contact mitigator, despite not actually throwing it in a good spot in the zone at 96. He throws it very little, 23%, that it had only a 14% hard contact rate. Could be small sample size. But 104 batting average allowed with an X average of 147 is crazy good with a near 30% call strike rate. And that's because he throws that cutter and slider um, nearly uh, near 20, sorry, 75% of the time or 70% of the time. It's wild. Um, but he's excellent. And he, pit- and he pitches for a wonderful winning team. Well, not only a wonderful, a winning team <laughs> uh, in the Dodgers. Uh, and he might be the closer there. So, and a team that's pick. usually is- had a set role at closers, right? Like the Dodgers yeah, normally have a closer. Now, maybe he's too good. He only had two saves this year. 
maybe he's too good of an option yeah. or you might see someone else fall yeah. in, right? Because you might want him as a fireman. Yeah, in yeah, a, yeah. In a, That's fair. Um, but 18th round, I love that one. Yeah. I'm, I'm tempted to give you silver approval for that at this point of the year as well. Let's talk about your 19th round, Joey Manessis, yeah. um, who had 13 home runs, 324 average, third best among all, all outfielders, all players, I should say, um, this year. Ideal plate appearance was 31%. That's 17th best as he had the 23rd most hard contact rate, 34%. Yet here he is in the 19th round. What's going on here? Uh, you know, he's just an older pop-up guy that people ah! don't believe in, right? Like, that's kind of it. He had a 156 yeah. WRC+. plus. He was 56% better than league average last year, which is yeah. crazy. Now, uh, now, I laughed at the older remark just because, of course, he was a rookie this past yeah, year. But yes. you're saying it because he's 30 years yeah, old. Yeah, he's 30 years old. Like, you know, he's been in the minor. Was that his major league debut? Yes, it was. He did not appear in the majors before that. So good yeah. for him. Congrats to Joey Manessas for, even if we don't hear from him again, that's pretty awesome that he put up a, a 930 OPS in his rookie year at age 30. Um, but I mean, there, there's some stuff to like a, a good bow rate, uh, 41, 47% hard hit rate, uh, a 111 max EV. Um, you know, uh, there, there's some impressive stuff and a strikeout rate that was below, you know, 22%. That's, that's pretty good for someone that has, uh, that sort of, uh, skill. You know, if he was like, if he was like 24, like this would be the talk of the town, but, uh, you know, he's not. Right. So, uh, hop between Atlanta, yeah, but that's Philly, okay. Boston. I mean, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. He only needs to do it for one more year. <laughs> and why wouldn't the, the like the Nationals are going to see, like they're going to play him, of course, now. Like there's nobody else there like to to, to block right. him. Like they're they're in full rebuild mode. So uh, he's definitely going to get a, a long leash to prove that this wasn't a fluke. So worth a I shot. Mean, I, I, I love this pick um, this late. Why not, right? Yeah. Uh, hitting the ball that hard he went on an amazing stretch and at this point it's just about chasing up to the 19th round you might have gotten your your util spot all covered here for if and when O'Neill Cruz uh, flames out right yeah yeah there you go uh, if and when as you said <laughs> um, Ronzi Contreras uh, is up next talk to me about him uh, another sort of Pure upside play. Like, I was surprised that the Pirates didn't give him more run in the majors, and that was kind of disappointing last year and maybe a little concerning, but I, I, I don't know. Maybe they wanted to control, you know, more more of this, this service time. Um, but he still did get close to, you know, 100 innings at the major league level last year and, you know, total it with the – their minor league numbers, he got to what one twenty nine, so that's pretty good for like any inning concerns. Uh, I would have hoped that the strikeout rate was better in the majors, but I mean it was really good when he was back down in Triple A. So maybe it's just a matter of of hoping that it translates uh, soon. Still did have a thirteen percent swinging strike rate, twenty nine point seven percent CSW. Uh, at his time in the major. So uh, another kind of upside play, like, you know, Contreras is probably the same sort of thing this time last year, uh, a, a late 20 or, you know, the 20th round shot in the dark pick. And I don't think he did anything to like turn anybody off from that to, 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 to hope that he would have some, some success this year. So uh, it, it, I, I like the upside of Contreras. 
Yeah, Royalty Contreras, if he has a he has a really good slider that had a 24% swing strike rate last year. Four seamer is the one that I'm a little bit worried about. I don't think he has the best command of it. Uh, its velocity did come down a little as the season went on. Uh, we're talking closer to 94, uh, 93 at times, uh, as opposed to the 96 that we saw earlier on. And I do wonder, you know, even the first starts was like 97. And then he got to be like a 94, 95 guy um, in that second half. So I do wonder if that sticks around or not for Contreras. But the slider is legit. It's a better slider than, uh, than like Luis Ortiz. He also has a little bit more of a comfortable role after doing it for a little bit now. Mm -hmm. um, I think than say Luis Ortiz um, and Johan Aviedo, who Aviedo is more for a deeper play at this moment. But I think uh, I don't know. He could come in and, and explode and do incredible things. I might be avoiding Pirates pitchers because it's just so hard to get a win from them. It's really hard to for find sure. wins there. And, uh, and I'm finding myself leaning a little bit more after the talks in first of Arizona about like, you can really uh, just avoid these teams. And, and like the pirates of the total, I think, what was it? 27 total wins or 22 reps. Yeah. will be yelling right now. If you heard this, um, but uh, yeah, that's something to really think about. It's like, man, yeah, you really shouldn't be chasing the pirates pitchers for wins while yeah. there's so unless, many other unless like they're really, really good. And will have guarantee to help you elsewhere. O'Neill uh, Cruz, yeah. right? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Rowansi, I think, still has things to figure out with his repertoire. Because again, if you're a two-pitch guy, you got a two elite mm -hmm. offerings for me to really be interested. Slider, yes. Fastball, not yet. So 43% hard contact <sighs> on uh, yeah on the four-seamer for Rowansi Contreras last year. Oof. This is in many ways reminding me of Wascari Noah, and that was a fault of mine. And I guys, I don't just say things and don't learn lessons. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I I get into something like what I reflect. What did I do wrong? Um, <laughs> what was the, the analysis that I gave that was incorrect? And how did I can I avoid this? This might be one to avoid now because of that. Um, so not my favorite one. 20th round, though. You could be seeing some things even in the spring. That's mm -hmm. like his velocity is up. And oh, man, his curveball is I'm just trusting that more or whatever it is. And all of a sudden, things are really good. Not to mention, I'm looking at the rest of the drafts like... Who is left? Yeah, I, I <laughs> love like those upside plays. And like, that's what I'm like. Especially at this point in the draft, and it's like, I mean, and, yeah. and with my next pick too, it's very not an upside play, right? It, it's like, no, it's there's not. Like not. There's not. Yeah. There, the, those shots were already taken earlier, so I like taking shots here uh, for for upside pitchers. Well, and the, Rosani is it? Yeah. One that's going to go near it is the one I took, which is Dre Jameson. And I think that's a little more interesting because a, I believe in more wins for the Arizona mm -hmm. Diamondbacks. But B, I uh, I think I trust the four seamer and slider combo from Jameson. Yeah. slightly more. Maybe someone who like but didn't go and drafted uh, uh, Brandon Fatko. Uh, you know. Uh, oh yeah, uh, we we, yeah, we heard yeah. about him and uh, um, there's Andrew Painter now, yes. right? Like, is he going to get called up? Yeah. But uh, I don't think the Phillies can do it so soon. Yeah. Bailey Ober is the other one, I think. Yeah. Sixto Sanchez, Nathan Evaldi, other interesting ones that went later. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't think I'm going to be circling Ruanzi Contreras as like, I need to go and get him at the end of drafts. Fair. I think it's a little bit more so with Dre Jameson for me, but it's fine. Yep. Three more picks to go. Miles Michaelis. I don't draft Toby's, but hey, he did so well. Why not? Yep. Right. Uh, he is like the Toby of Toby's, right? Like the, yeah, when, you, when, you, when, when Toby <laughs> gets added to the dictionary and uh, as, as a as a word from <laughs> pitcher list, uh, there'll be a picture of Miles Michaelis next to him. Uh yeah. 
just a fine innings eater. Like, you know, uh, if he has like, uh, you know, a, a run of soft schedule in the start of the season, like I'll hold on to him. If not, you know, I'd be fine moving on from the, the 12 team league, even if he does have a full season like he did last year. Uh, you know, it's two oh two innings of meh, which is fine. Right. Yeah, it's fine. I, uh, Miles Michaelis, yeah. Third most innings in the majors. Right? Crazy. 202. Uh, remember the he's days when guys, guys got 300 innings uh, back when I, we like, first no, started watching baseball? No, I don't. Crazy. No, I don't at all. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> it never happened. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Michaelis, I mean, follow the schedule to me mm-hmm. is, is really the, the thing. That's how you got Michaelis at the beginning of this year is because he played the Pirates early on. And the St. Louis Cardinals, well... It's Toronto and then Atlanta. Oof. And that's for the first six games of the yeah. year. So he's going to get one, one of, of those. those. I don't know if I want to start Miles Michaelis for them. And the, But if you feel good enough to hold on through the first week, then fine. But you'll probably have something else you'll want to chase instead. The so, balanced schedule, too, now this year, it's not like the NL Central is this amazing, easy place. Obviously, they'll get those guys a little bit more, but... It's not like you're playing the the Cubs and, and Pirates twenty times a year anymore uh, with the, with the balanced schedule. So that's something to consider. I uh, yeah, um, I got breaking news that you guys hearing this will be like weeks old um, or whatever. But the Mariners and Diamondbacks just had a one for one deal. Kyle Lewis is going to Arizona for Cooper Hummel, one for one. And what's kind of funny about this to me is I sat in front of Cooper Hummel's parents at the AFL last year <laughs> and his girlfriend. So I have like a an attachment to Cooper Hummel um, because of this. Um, <laughs> and uh, so good for Cooper Hummel. He's an on-base guy. Kyle Lewis, of course, you remember the excitement in 2020 and then he got hurt and we haven't really seen him. And I honestly, I love this for Arizona. Where they get an outfielder that I think I think like he becomes a really fun late <sighs> grab now. In- interesting. I mean, Arizona's kind of got I guess now that Peralta's gone, uh, was traded last year, right? Like they have Alex Thomas, they have Corbin Carroll, and now Corbin Carroll. I guess Cooper. Co- sorry, uh, no, Kyle Lewis. No, Kyle right? Lewis, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a kind, nice outfielder. Kind of yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, if you guys are running, wait, I haven't really heard about Kyle Lewis for a while, right? Because he only had 18 games in 2022. Yeah. And then 2020 exploded with 11 home runs. Uh, and then 2021, he got hurt. Uh, so we really haven't seen him since then. But there's some excitement in here for for Kyle Lewis. I, I don't know. He's going to be 28 in July of next year. So he's entered the season 27. Maybe he turns into an interesting late round pick. You should have taken him instead of Ramon Contreras. I'm just kidding. Um, let's move on to Tovar. Ezekiel Tovar, that is. You're like, who is that, Nick? Well, he plays for the Rockies, and Steve is going to tell us more. Yeah, uh, he's, I believe, the Rockies' top uh, hitting prospect. Um, got a cup of coffee, nine games at the end of the last year, um, but has been a guy that is well regarded in in, uh, in in prospect circles. I know, I know of him because of pitcher lists Nate Handy, who hyped up Tovar for the last two years that I've been a part of the pitcher list discord. So shout out to Nate. Um, you know, he's done a, a little bit of everything in the minors in 2022 at double a, he had a 153 WRC plus, 
uh, 13 homers, seven stolen bases. So uh, if I'm going to take a shot on a positional player prospect, like why not take a shot on a guy who's going to have half his games at Coors Field? Um, you know, you I go. know LL Rockies and everything like that. I'm the first one to, to jump on that bandwagon, but this guy looks like an actual good player and hopefully it, it works out for them because I like when the Rockies have good fantasy players because it's right. fun having yeah. players in course. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, you know, it's fun having a good platoon player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that's really what it is. If yeah. you get a go cores guy, especially younger one, you just don't start him on the road. Yeah. But um, yeah, this could turn out really well, especially shortstop in Colorado. Yeah. And after Tim Anderson or O'Neill Cruz, why not? Right. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah, Tovar in the minors uh, in 2022 um, jumped up quickly, Double A, Triple A, and then went up to the the majors. Mm-hmm. But in Double A, 13 home runs, 17 stolen bases, 318 average. Not really a walk guy. He's going to go out and attack. Uh, 15% swing strike rate in uh, the minors and yeah, 6% walk rate in his very short 35 plate appearances um, in 2022 for the Rockies. We'll see what happens. Hopefully he can get some lift on the ball and get on base and maybe give you some sort of 2020 season. We'll see what happens for Tovar and fun upside pick to take late. And then lastly, you have Mitch Keller. Oh boy. Another, why Mitch an- Keller? another Pirates pitcher. Uh, why Mitch Keller? Because I look back at his stats uh, and and was just kind of shocked how good of a year uh, Keller had, uh, specifically like after you know mid May, um, you know on the surface three ninety one ERA didn't doesn't pop, but you know he made some adjustments in May and was like a mid three ERA guy, kind of like something that we were hoping for when we saw all the uh you know the him at the pitching st- uh, lab uh, last offseason when he was hitting like 101 and the Mitch Keller hype train uh started again and you know I was on that and quickly off it after his bad April and May <laughs> um maybe I, I should have jumped back in because it was actually shocking that that Mitch Keller was you know basically serviceable uh from from May on so uh another sort of dart upside pick maybe you know a, a toby sort of thing uh going on with him but yeah in the second half he had a 309 era uh so pretty good yeah i don't buy it at all i don't think anything he does is particularly great i uh, still trying to get slider whiffs consistently can't really get it with his curveball his four seamer he is elevating and getting a little bit more of an o-swing on it but it's just I, I know he did really well um, from the end of August uh, through the, the the end of the season. And I was just like, all right, you have a 242 ERA. You still had a 125 whip in that time. Mm-hmm. A near 10% walk rate and only 11% swing strike rate. Fine. <laughs> I mean, that that's how it yeah, was, it was for still me. Just, it really- was still just an 11.7% strikeout minus walk rate in the second half. So, not, um, not Slider great. did get some more whiffs to his credit. Um, last three games, for example, six, five, five. Uh, but I just, I don't buy it. I, I really don't from Mitch Keller. And also again, no wins. It's on the, it's on the pirates. The whip is really bad. It's just, I don't do it. Yeah. I I, do I'm going to, I'd rather throw a dart on like painter, Brendan fat or something like that. Uh, that here. Yeah. That, that, that sounds right. Yeah. That sounds right to me. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, that's it. That is your draft. So on a scale of 1 to 23, 23 being the best, how do you feel about this team, Steve? Um, Probably like a 17, uh, like a 16. 
Um, okay. You know, th- there's 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 quite a few places where it's like, ah, yeah, like this is what I should have done here. Um, mm-hmm. I feel good about my staff. I always feel pretty good about my my staffs. Uh, in, in in these drafts, I I think that strategy works. Like, grab the lowest end of an SP one, take a bunch of shots, and pick eighty to one twenty. Um, you know, because if one of the, you know, I I don't need both Lodolo and Kirby to jump up right like you need one like you're you're fine if one of them is just okay and then one of them takes the lead but you know uh i I try to identify those guys every year and and, then take those shots there so um i feel pretty good about that i probably would have done things a little bit differently maybe you know the one base first base third base in the early rounds. so um pretty good and gonna use it more as like a lesson learned for for my my real drafts come the spring, which I wish I did uh, more so with the draft last year. I think it was it was pretty helpful. You know, I like my team. I think I could have used some more uh, insight from that. So I think this is a, a good tool, especially because we do this before there's ADP out, like you said, right? Like, right. It's sometimes I know, like Gray at Rasball kind of jokes about it. It's like. ADP set because like a few random guys in November get together and do a draft yeah. and they say that this is yeah. where it's kind of goes. And I know that's like said tongue in cheek, but there is definitely some truth to that. So if you, if you understand that you can, you can find some value and use it more as like a, a lesson learned, which is what I'm going to do. All right. Well, that is it. That is going to conclude this podcast. I think you got it about right. Um, I think the hitting a little bit shifty, but, I generally like what you do with your pitching. Yeah. I think it's the right strategy, and I, uh, I learned from the best. I, mean, I got the strategy. I got the strategy ah, from the best. Yeah, okay. I did. I did. All right. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't have done Cal Rally in the ninth, and I still hate myself for that. <laughs> I like Cal Rally. Um, He's got the best nickname in baseball. I know, but ninth round, I didn't need to do yeah. that, and I could have gone say, I don't know, uh, Lance Lynn at that point. I was like, oh, or trust McKenzie. I was like, yeah, it's a little bit better. Anyway. Uh, Steve, awesome hanging out with you. Thanks so much for taking the time. Before we go, one more time, plug everything for your Twitter handle and what you're doing. Uh, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Stav8818, S-T-A-V-8818. Um, you could also find myself and my co-host, Van Burnett, on this very podcast network uh, every other Friday in the offseason. Uh, Wins Above Fantasy. Uh, you can tweet us uh, at Wins Above Pod on Fantasy there. Um, talk Everything fantasy baseball with Van, uh, it's a blast to do it. Uh, in, in season, we do it every week. Um, and, you know, cannot wait to get into like draft prep season. I, I almost find yeah. that more like, obviously, I love fantasy baseball. It's my favorite hobby. I talk about it weekly, you know, write articles when I can. But draft prep season is just so much fun. And especially when drafts start too, it, it, it really is. We just did an episode like recapping our bold predictions. So we're like, we're kind of finally wrapping up our recap shows and we'll now fully get into, um, draft prep and, and, and have some fun there. So, uh, shout out to van there. Uh, uh, enjoy doing that with them every week and on, on this great podcast network. So, uh, it's a time Abs- of fun. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, we're all lucky to have uh, Van and Steve with Winds Above Fantasy. Oh, appreciate that. Um, here at the Pitchless Podcast Network, of course, Steve. And that's going to do it for this episode of On the Corner. So on behalf of Steve Giswelli, my name is Nick Pollock. And we'll talk to you guys next week.